are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producers shop talk we are here to refine and redefine the sales game and we are going to do that by giving you access to the brains of todd tams and kevin ring mr tams is the owner of the tams agency in denison iowa as well as the founder and ceo of direct work comp and mod advisor the only mod auditing software tool you should know about in the insurance industry. And if you know any others, I'm in the process of inventing one of those pens like they have in Men in Black. I will kindly ask you to stare at so I can brainwash you. And Mr. Kevin Ring is with the Institute of Work Comp Professionals based out of Asheville, North Carolina. And he knows this guy's forgotten more about Work Comp than the rest of us are ever going to know. So I am glad to have him with us for another couple sessions here. And we're going to finish, uh, probably like bring some closure to what we talked about last episode on class codes. But we're going to talk about audits. Everybody's favorite, right? Everybody's favorite. I have said this from the beginning. Two things that if you ask 65 to 70% of the people you call on, if you ask them about the certificates of insurance and what that process looks like, and you ask them about how their audits went, you are going to drive a wedge because they're irritated their agent doesn't get them certs on time, and they're irritated that they always owe money. And like I always say, audits should never be a surprise. We know the rates when the policy's written. I don't care what the line of business is. If you have an audit that's a surprise, you have a bad agent that didn't educate you on what to expect, or you just didn't pay attention to what they were saying, right? So we're going to talk about that, and I've got some things I'm going to throw into the equation, but whoo, what do you have to say about audits, well, Kevin? Where do you even start well, with that? Let's, let's start with what you just said, and and so you two have a tremendous amount of experience in the agency business, so I will pose this question to the two of you. In your career, how many times have you gotten a phone call from a client after their premium audit who wanted, who was upset, wanted to dispute their audit, and they had received a return premium? <laughs> and they had received a return right. premium. That's the caveat. Right, that's that's the caveat. not where I thought that was going at all. <laughs> Well, I can tell you this. The answer is the same regardless. I've never gotten a call from a client who's upset about an audit because I have made it a habit since day one of my career, even though I didn't even know what I was looking for, 
at that time to be present at every single audit. And my team would tell you, as sure as I sit here today, that I have not changed. It does not matter how far I have to drive, whether or not it's raining, whether or not it's cold outside, I am there. And then people will always ask, well, what do you do when you're there? Well, I'm there. That's all that really matters for the most part. I'm not going to change the math behind an audit. But the other piece of that is, you know, so I do that and I do it intentionally because I do feel like that by being present and having a presence at the audit, it puts your client at ease 100% of the time, even though you may not know exactly what you're doing if you're newer in your career, just do that. That's how you learn. Go through a few audits, ask the auditors questions. They don't bite your head off. They're going to answer them for you. Same thing with the NCCI audits. I attend 100% of those for my clients. But the other thing is the reason why it's not a surprise, we give our clients a spreadsheet so that they can plan for what that looks like. And we give them, I, I wrote an ebook about how to prepare for you know, best practices for audit preparation that we provide everybody. I mean, if one of my clients has a bad audit, they're not going to be my client the next year, not because they fired me, but because I fired them. They didn't follow what our, our guidance is. And I'm not willing to put my contingencies, my overly favorable loss ratios, and my reputation on the line for people who aren't going to be play, willing to play the game. So I'll let Todd answer. So I think my experience is a little different than David's. Uh, we're not present for every single mod audit, but we, we obviously write some different size accounts. Uh, we do a lot of work up front to help prepare those clients so that they're not surprised on the back end. Um, and, and that's and that goes back to what we talked about before, making sure that we've got the right classifications, people are doing the right things, um, and educating them. And so many times. So many times I think people just have not been educated really on how the process works. And so we do follow up after every policy renewal to prep them for what's coming for the audit. Uh, we're involved in that process. We've got a workbook that we send them. And then in addition to that, once that audit is complete, we actually follow up with that client and review what has happened, especially on some of the larger ones that generate a significant amount of premium. And this is where we found this is where we found Kevin that we have issues with how people are classified and what has occurred when the third party adjuster has gone out to inspect or do the audit or even more troublesome because of COVID. We've got a lot of people that are trying to do things remotely where businesses are uploading stuff to the auditor. It's getting lost in translation, what the auditor may be putting in, they're misclassifying people. Uh, we just did one a few months ago where we could not, adjudicate anything that the auditor sent back on the policy, you know, on the policy worksheet with what our client actually uploaded. And it took us three rounds with the internal management at the carrier, getting the worksheets, getting exactly where Bob was assigned, which class code, what his payroll is, getting that worksheet broken down. And just, so we, just so we're clear here, not every carrier will send that to you. When it comes to getting that payroll information for the workers at that business, Sometimes they'll send that to the business and the business has to send that to you so you can do your job. Uh, but if your client's getting caught with a surprise audit, you need to dig in, you need to spreadsheet it out. You need to do the hard work and the math. You need to make sure that any credits that were on the policy at policy inception for the prior year are on the audit worksheet for this year. We've seen that happen where they've been left off and it's a simple increase in premium because the credit we had on the policy the first year wasn't on there the next year. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I mean, and, I and mean, I, most audits seem to go fine, but 
there's a lot that aren't right either. Yeah, and I, I clearly made a mistake asking two workers' comp superstars to answer that question because I've asked that question of, uh, <laughs> of hundreds of agents <laughs> over time, uh, and I would, I would bet that better than 99% of those agents have had clients call them upset when they got a, a bill for additional premium from the insurance company. And it goes back to the, the question of, you know, no surprises, which we agree with a hundred percent, but I've never talked to an agent that has gotten that angry. I want to dispute this phone call when they, when the client has received a return premium. But what I will tell you, and, and we believe this number in, incredibly deeply, more than 75% of premium audits are incorrect. And I agree. Um, that number doesn't change just because the business received a return premium. Right. That just, <laughs> no, that might be right, wrong. Right. <laughs> you probably should have gotten more money back. And so the whole point of asking the question and everything you guys contributed was fantastic because it's all true and certainly all in line with how how we think things should go down but there's a tremendous amount of low-hanging fruit on the premium audit today um, this was especially true in in 2021 when all those 2020 policies were being audited and businesses had shrunk uh, during 2020 um, thankfully many businesses have added a lot more payroll back that may not be as true as we go into 2022 and we start to see those policies expire and get audited but in periods of declining payroll there's a huge opportunity on the premium audit because what tends to happen is client gets a bill they weren't expecting they call their agent there and they're like oh i'm so mad you know this is clearly wrong and the agent calls the insurance company the insurance company says well yeah no it's right and the agent calls the employer back and says yeah they said it's right so like i don't know what else we can do and you know pay the premium and and move on. And I was never so confident in that 75% number as I was probably been five years ago. Now I spoke to a premium auditors association and I stood in front of that room and you guys have all been in hotel meeting rooms. The door was on the other side of the audience. And I stood in front of this audience of premium auditors and I said, 75% or more of workers' compensation premium audits are incorrect. And I was pretty nervous because I was going to have to go through them to get out of the room if they decided to bring out the pitchforks and the torches on me. And I got unanimous nods of agreement because the next sentence was the vast majority of those mistakes occur because employers are not prepared for the premium auditor's arrival. Right. And that gets to what both of you were just discussing is that if your client understands how their employees are to be classified and has documented that so that the premium auditor is going to have to change it in order for it to be different. If they have tracked every item of excluded remuneration, and I just talked about how we didn't like uh, insurance words, but you know, this is the payroll, the money or substitutes for money that employers do not have to pay workers compensation on. This is in the basic manual for every state, um, you know, the things that, you know, for instance, outside of Pennsylvania, the halftime portion of overtime, probably the most commonly known 
item of excluded remuneration. But if the employer doesn't keep the records, then what's in the rules doesn't matter. If you just have Kevin got paid this much money and there was overtime in there, but you didn't account for it separately in what you give the auditor, then how are they supposed to do that correctly? You didn't give them the right information. Um, Y'all mentioned certificates earlier. If you don't have all the certificates of insurance, they're going to include those businesses as though they were uninsured and you're going to wind up paying premium on them. And so the agent has to be involved at some level, whether it's what David's talking about with being at every audit, whether it's just you know educating the client in in what how they need to be keeping records. It gets even more complicated when you start to talk about something like construction, where you can potentially separate the payroll of an individual employee between class codes during the year. You know, have you talked to them up front about what those different class codes might be? You know, how to how they need to keep those records. And then part of that conversation too is does it make sense to keep the records? Because it could be that the difference in the two codes might be five or ten cents a hundred. Well, chances are good that unless you have a large number of employees doing those two things, the premium savings from keeping those records probably isn't going to be commensurate with the cost and the hassle of keeping them. You know, so you have to understand how all of those things work so that when the premium auditor arrives, all of those things are laid out for them. Because if you don't have the, the most premium auditors, if you provide them with sufficient records for them to complete the premium audit, they aren't going to ask for every little crumb that might help that audit be lower. They're going to complete that premium audit and move on. And that's one of the things that we've seen with COVID. You're talking about, you know, audits happening remotely is it's, you know, that premium auditor, when they finish with you, they're on to their next appointment in five minutes. They don't have a half hour, 45 minute drive to wherever their next appointment is. So, you know, it, our experience suggests that, you know, it's even more like, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, and a little bit less patience. And so that that preparation is critical. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important for everybody listening to understand it's easy for me to say that I go to every audit because I don't have 400 accounts. I mean, we're writing middle market business. And so that I think that's a big differentiator. And it's one of the things that I love about the middle market until you lose an account. And then it's one of the things I hate about the middle market. And, and that's, you know, the average revenue per account allows you <clears throat> to focus on exactly who you want to go after and not have to write a ton of policies in order to bring in the revenue you want to have to support your lifestyle and your family and all of that. And so, for my, I mean, for example, our agency has less than 400 clients total across the board. Um, so it's not like it's difficult to manage now. Do we, when I, when I say I go to every audit, I don't mean every audit of every policy in the agency. I'm talking about my personal book of business, which, you know, is a subset of that, but I've also trained my producers to do the same thing. Now we do not do that for small business. If it's, if it's in the small business unit, a lot of the times those, I mean, aside from workers comp, which I believe it's statutory that they be audited, 
we don't, you know, a lot of them don't even get audited for the other stuff. So they're on their own for that. But we're, we're kind of in luck in that they're not going to send the A team out to audit them, you know, on a regular basis. Is they're small, it could cause a big problem as they get bigger. So we, we do keep our fingertips on the pulse of what they're doing. But the other thing that we do to avoid the big swings is it's a requirement that you're on monthly self audit or integrated with your payroll company to work with us. We do not do payroll estimates for at the beginning. Now we do it on the applications, but as far as the payment plans, we want people paying in on a monthly payment stream so that they're, you know, they're in control. And if they, guess what? If they don't put the subcontractor payroll in, Sorry, guys, you didn't do that. It was right here in the video. And by the way, the date and timestamp says you watched it at such and such time. I mean, we educate them on how to do all of this stuff. Um, it's the only way we could write smaller business profitably. But, you know, I think that the bigger accounts, it's, it's really important that you're there. But I don't. I also don't want people who are out writing literally anything they can because they're new to the industry thinking they have to spread themselves thin you know, being present for audits in, in this day and age with COVID and with the inability to hire talent and all of that. A lot of these people are third parties. Like I see advertisements in the paper where you can go take a course for a Saturday and learn how to be a workers comp auditor. And if that's not scary to the agents out there, that this is who's putting together the work product that does have some sort of a bearing on your financial future. Whoo, you better pay attention to where these auditors are coming from. Well, it's, it's no more difficult to become a premium auditor than it is to become an agent. Um, yeah, agree. And, you, and you know, the except in Florida, and you have to go to school for 200 hours before you can sit for your license. In oh, Florida. wow. I just had to promise to read a book for 40 hours and then pass a practice test. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually, <laughs> and, and I find that it's that way in a lot of states, and most people are blown away. When I tell them that, but when I got mine, you can do it online now. And, and if you've worked in an agency for a while, you can opt out or get a letter of, you know, recommendation or whatever from the agency principal saying, yes, this person is proficient and has been in the agency for five years or whatever else. But when I got my license, you had to do it in person. They weren't even online yet. And so I went to school from eight to five, Monday through Friday for five weeks. Wow. To get my license. Yeah. And and ultimately, you know, what we're talking about, and I agree 100% with what you're saying, David, and it's something that I know many agents deal with, is that all clients are not created equal. And it's something that we deal with and we talk a lot about in our trainings is that what we, what we teach is like the highest level of how this can be done. And then what you have to find is... Where is the right level of engagement? And that may change over time, right? You know, it may make sense today for you to go to the premium audit for a $5,000 revenue account. As you grow your book of business in five years, the floor of, of the account you go out to see might be $10,000. Um, you might also insure the mayor of your town and there are tremendous your referral resource, and you might go out for their $2,000 revenue account. But, you know, with the premium audit, you know, we get a paper premium audit at the Institute. The insurance company just sends us a form to fill out. And I can assure you that a hundred percent of those audits are incorrect because we don't know how to fill the thing out. And, you know, we spend a lot of time doing this. I know that it doesn't even ask all the questions that you would need to ask for every business to have their audit be correct, but most agents can't profitably 
spend the amount of time. You can educate. And I love the, the, uh, the pay as you go, whether it's monthly reporting or, you know, every pay period, whatever it is, however it's set up. I'm, we're big fans of, of that. The challenge I've always had with that process is that too many people will talk about pay as you go workers comp is, oh, well, you don't have an audit. You know, or your audit's going to pretty much go away. Well, no, you have an audit every pay period, <laughs> every pay period. And if you're doing it wrong, you're just compounding those mm-hmm. mistakes. Right. If you're yep. not, yep. if you're not keeping your books appropriately, you know, to make sure that you're only ever paying what you owe, which is always the goal, uh, is you know, we're not looking to to find an angle so that our clients are paying less than they should. You know, the goal is only ever to have them pay exactly what they should be paying. So one of the questions I get all the time at Mod Advisor is how many, how many audits, how many NCCI worksheets do you find wrong? And my answer is always, I don't ever find any that are wrong. They do a great job at performing the calculation hundred percent accurately. Cause computers are the, good at math. Computers are great at math. And they're like, well, why would we do a mod audit? And it's for everything that we just talked about here. Because, <laughs> because people are classified wrong. Payroll has been entered wrong. Claims have not been updated. And all of those things factor into that experience mod. Yeah, you're not auditing that the computer did the math. You're auditing the data itself. The formula is not the issue. It's the data. Right. It's the input. Common question. And, and people, people sometimes, you know, and you will see this. I mean, you'll look at a mod worksheet. And it will have a year where all of the payroll in that year ends in all zeros. Like there's exactly $1.5 million in payroll in this year. Well, that's a pretty good red flag that either the premium audit didn't happen or whatever the audited payroll was didn't get reported to the Bureau. Most commonly that happens when the audit occurs late for some reason. So you'll have problems with the data, but the problem is always with the inputs. You know, it's with the information that was reported to the rating bureau. Like you said, it's never a problem with the math. And, you know, that's going back to our conversations about the worksheet. You know, the mod is just a report card. If you're not doing all of the work before that information gets sent to the rating bureau, the mod is going to be mismanaged. It's not going to be what it should be, but that doesn't mean that it's incorrect. Yeah, I agree. And and the other thing too is, you know, back to the whole, the the monthly or the weekly, because you can do, I mean, I know the AmTrust and I'm sure there's other carriers that are like this. You can set your pay as you, your self audit up to whatever your payroll periods are. So if you pay weekly, you can do it weekly. If you pay bi-weekly, you can do it bi-weekly. Monthly, you do it monthly. Um, but, but again, the issue becomes you got some people out there not going to report everything, you know, they don't, they don't, they, they think they're going to pay those subs under the table and it's not going to show up. Now you got a problem, but in my, you know, in my mind, not really my fault, not really my problem. And if we're going to argue about this, not my client, because, you know, I'm not going to deal with people that are going to be dishonest about that stuff. And I mean, I've heard it all, man. I've heard everything from, oh yeah, we'll put you on monthly self-audit and that'll make your audit go away. No, it'll never make your audit go away. It'll just hopefully make it more accurate. You know, 
there's always there's still going to be a swing because you're going to deal with rounding issues and other stuff that happens. Even when you go to do because there's a there's a subset of my accounts, and we're not going to get into a debate of the merits of errors and omissions of me doing this. I understand I'm taking risk, but I just don't trust that they're going to put the information in right. So they forward their payrolls over to me, and I'm the one who puts them in, and I actually make the payment with their checking account online. It's the only way that I can make sure it's right. First time it happened, this guy comes back and's like, hey, you know, you told me we weren't going to have an audit. I said, no, that's not what I told you. I told you that your audit would be more accurate. What I realized is that, um, you know, and, and this is not what caused the variance. There was a reason why he used a sub he did not disclose and didn't get the insurance on, you know, the certificate to show it. And thankfully, I was able to go to the Department of Financial Services and prove coverage was enforced during the time the work was done and they accepted that. But I did notice I, when I go into key in the payroll every month that the system automatically rounds, period. It automatically rounds up or down depending on whether or not it's 50 cents or 51 cents or whatever. So, you know, there are things that are going to happen, but good grief, man. The the number of of moving pieces and parts, we just we I think we make this way more complicated than we need to. Then it goes back to the fact we want to be all things to all people. We don't want people to come to us because of what we do, what we're experts in, and our value proposition. We want to be premium whores. And if we need to tell somebody, oh, well, we get you out of audit, we'll just put you on monthly self-audit, they're going to do that to sell the policy, set them up for absolute disaster. I can tell you people this. When we did the boot camp that we did on Tuesday, I told everybody the same thing. Figure out what your value is, figure out your lane, and stay in it. If people try to push you into another lane, don't go. Don't, I mean, you are what you are. Do what you do best, determine your hourly rate, determine the types of accounts you want to write, the profitability you need to have, and then don't write anything else. Like, that's the most basic concept ever, right? If I want to write accounts between twenty five and 50000 in revenue, and I have a pipeline of twenty five to 50000 revenue accounts, and all I ever call on is accounts that are twenty five to 50000 in revenue, there's a 100% chance I'm only going to write accounts that are twenty five to 50000 in revenue. But it's when you get that call of that quick hit that seems like it's way too good to be true. Guess what? It always is. 100% of the time, it's always too good to be true. So... I don't even know where I started and where I ended on that, but at the end of the day, I feel like there was something in there worth listening to. But we, you know, anything else before we wrap this up, quick? I, I want to touch on, and it, it really isn't related to what you said about the ENO risk, but there is there is something that comes up about ENO risk in in this broader conversation about being an expert in in anything, and. And we've seen this come up over the years in our workshops and had a lot of different conversations around it. And E&O people will sometimes tell you, well, don't don't say you're an expert, right? That that you know raises your E&O liability because you're you know expected to provide a higher level of care. Uh, and you know, the most depressing part of our entire business, of which there are many depressing parts, is is the E&O business. Because I will tell you that if one of your clients sues you because they're misclassified and they say, we want you to file this on your E&O, your E&O is going to deny the, the claim. They're going to say it was the insured's responsibility to you know, tell you they wanted their class code change. Um, and that's, that's crap. It's, you know, there's no reason. You know, the computers are coming for every single one of us. 
They are. The computers are coming. They've already started to snap up, you know, all the simple personal line stuff. They're they're snapping up the simple commercial line stuff. And the only way you are going to remain relevant and have a job in the future is if you can do something the computers cannot do. And that's everything that we're talking about. And if if you ever have a moment where you're afraid to brag on what you know and the expertise that you have and the way that you're capable of helping people because you think your E&O underwriter is going to be uncomfortable with it, then you are going to lose and the computers are going to snap you up, right? So when you, whether it's workers comp or general liability or commercial auto, wherever you decide you're going to develop your meaningful expertise in your, in your business, you know, show it off. Don't be afraid to express that expertise as long as you are willing and capable of backing it up because it's the only way that you're, you're still going to have a job in five, 10, 15 years. 100%. Mr. Tams, anything you want to add? I 100% what Kevin Ring said. You know, find what you like to do, focus on that, become the expert in that, stay in your lane. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I can say anything better than what you two have just said and how you've laid it out. Uh, but that would be my advice for every insurance agent that's starting out or that's in the industry or wondering what they should do for the next five years. Stay in your lane, find out what you like to do and do that one thing. And when you get opportunities that aren't that, refer it to someone else in your agency yes. or a friend in another agency. They'll be happy to take it. I, I can't help but smile every time Todd Tams talks because he is one of the most soft-spoken people <laughs> I've ever heard of him. He's like the male version of the ladies on that sweaty ball skit from Saturday Night Live from the um, public radio station or whatever. Like, I can't imagine what dinner conversations like at the Tam's house. Honey, this roast beef is excellent. I'll give you a specific example. So at Tam's agency, we don't do bonds anymore. We send them all over to Zippons. I mean, there, there's a shout out to them, but... They do it hey, better we than had Zach on. We had Zach on the podcast yesterday and then turn around and immediately flipped him a lead yesterday afternoon. So we're fans of zip bonds here. Yeah. So they do it better, faster and quicker than we can. Why would I not send that all to them? And so it goes back to, be, you know, I, I don't want, I, I know we're comp. I don't know bonds. So refer off what I don't know to make sure that the expert handles our clients needs stay in my lane. Absolutely. Well, that's a good place to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know more, Institute of Work Comp Professionals, that's where Kevin Ring hangs his hat. And Mr. Todd Tams, as he slugs from the Mod <laughs> Advisor Yeti Tumblr, as if it were cued. <laughs> if you want to know how to do the Mod Audits, this guy's got the secret sauce. Not only does he have the best product on the market, but it's the only one you really should even know about. I mean... At this point in my life, the rest are kind of irrelevant and just trying to catch what Todd's doing. And unfortunately, if you're trying to catch what somebody else has already got, you're probably just not going to get there. So reach out to Mr. Tams if you're looking for the best mod audit software in the world. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya. You've 
been listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.